Welcome back to Stuff and Uncommon Sense, where we look at some things that I've found useful for being a human in the 21st century. It's a laid-back place for ideas and chat, and some techniques that have been drawn from 20 years of learning and delivering NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and other good things to understand how people tick. I'm Alan Johnson, that NLP bloke. I'm a trainer and therapist with Change Working. Be comfortable, enjoy this down-to-earth, irreverent and no-nonsense practical approach to understanding NLP and more. Episode 5, NLP Basics Part 2, Sensory Preference, or how we see, hear and feel the world very, very differently from each other. So if you remember from last time, we talked about how we take the world in in our own unique way. We have to filter out a lot of the stuff out there, sensory stuff. We have the capacity to take in and hold on to about seven plus or minus two things, between five and nine things. And we discussed the the things that let us know what to filter in, the things like our experiences, our history, our decisions we've made, our interests, our culture. And I also briefly mentioned something called metaprograms. It's a big long word, like a lot of the words in NLP are, but it basically is a deep filter that runs usually outside of our conscious awareness until something like NLP makes us aware of it. And it runs and it helps us to decide what we need to take in and how we, how we make sense of the world. So the first one of these metaprograms I'd like us to look at is one which is called our representational system or our preferred sensory system. Unless people have got a sensory impairment, everybody sees, everybody hears, everybody feels, everybody smells, everybody tastes, and we have a preference for which of these we prefer to use. It's a little bit like with the metaprograms, left or right-handedness. Whichever one's your dominant hand, it's absolutely fine. Neither's good, neither's bad. And the same with the sensory preferences. It's just where people would prefer to operate if they could. And we're going to go through each one in turn. We're going to look at the traits. I tend to uh, be a little bit jovial about it. I tend to pick on the traits that are negative. And that's because a lot of us that work with people, we tend to get people coming along when there's a problem, when there's something wrong. So it's useful to understand the strengths and specifically the problems that can arise from being dominant in one sense and how that affects us in the world. So the sensory preference, the meta-program that people run, how does it work? Well, it, what it can do for us, what it lets us know is what we need to pay attention to and filter in. So if we've got a preference for visual stuff, we might notice a sunny vista, we might notice scenery, we might be interested in visual art. If we have a very auditory, very hearing sense preference, we might prefer music and concerts and so on. It also affects how we process on the inside. So people who run lots of stuff on the inside in their head in pictures tend to have access to lots of stuff really, really quickly. Whereas people who are listening to things in their head or reading things in their head, it tends to be a slow processing. And the people who are feeling the way around the world, again, it can take them time to digest information, take it on board and run with it. It also lets us know what's important to us and what we value. And it'll probably determine our uh, preferences for enjoyment and what we like to do outside of our workplace. It could influence our work as well, which would be a good thing, but very often people are in a job that doesn't allow them to have their full sensory preference in place. And it's also in our communication, in our words and our body language. 
So I'm going to cover some of these briefly um, on the full NLP course. We're going to them in a bit more detail. And although we've all got five senses, in NLP, we tend to focus on three main groupings. So we focus on visual sense, so what we can see, auditory, which is sounds, and also words, and it also uncovers the way we read things as well, and what we call kinesthetic, which is our feelings, our touch, our sensations, and within that we've also got activity, and we tend to put smell and taste in with the kinesthetic as well. So it's also uh, abbreviated to VAK or VAKOG, VACOG, and as we lump in O and G with K, we tend to focus on the three VAK for most of this. So I'll briefly take you through each one in turn, giving you some traits of each one, and we'll focus on what the strengths of these traits are, what the downfalls of some of these traits are, how they get on with each other or don't get on with each other, and also in future podcasts we'll look at how do we communicate with a different style to the one that we have. But for instance, if I'm somebody who likes to take the world in through my visual sense, what sort of things would you be able to spot in me? This is always an interesting question. So how would you be able to spot whether somebody's got a visual preference or not? So think about how might I dress, how might I speak, what might be important to me, what might be less important to me. Well, the first thing with someone who's got a high visual preference. Now, the important thing to remember here is these are just preferences. These are not boxes, we're not fixed, but this is just really left to my own devices, what would I prefer to be doing? So if I've got a high visual preference, then I'm likely to like to see things in big pictures. So I might learn by watching a video, I might like graphs, I like, might like colorful stuff. I tend to be colorful, tend to have colorful sense of dress, tend to dress smartly for them, whatever their version of smart is. They certainly like to look right. They certainly like to be overdressed initially and then they might dress down. They might like to look at visual art. They're probably very keen on watching TV with HD or Super HD, whereas other people might not even see any difference. So in our household, I'm the only one who can see a massive clear difference with HD or Ultra HD, whereas other people, people who are more kinesthetically preferenced, don't seem to be able to spot so much of a difference. They tend to be good at seeing the big picture, they tend to be good at overview, seeing how things connect together, looking at the big picture, the helicopter view, and because of that they tend to be a little bit more dissociated, perhaps a little bit more clinical than the other two. They tend to be less involved, and some people might find them a little bit cold and distant. They can be quite brusque and quick in the way they speak. They tend to speak quickly and breathe from the top of the chest so they can get out of breath. And they tend to like bullet point information. They're not likely to read a really big, thick document. They'll probably read the bullet points or the summary, or they'll try and guess what it means. They'll say to people things like, tell me the time, not how the clock works. They'll maybe the sort of person who'll finish your sentences for you because everything's quick and you're, you're probably being too slow for them. They're very good at distracting themselves. Anything visual that moves, they'll be attracted to. So they might be distracted by an aeroplane going past outside, or, oh, look, there's a bird, or, oh, look, there's a hedgehog. And they can dot about. And if you're talking to them, and there's things going on behind you, their eyes will move to those things, or to the people. And you might think, oh, they're being rude. Am I not good enough for you? But what's happening is they'll watch anything that moves, like a magpie, anything bright and shiny. So the best thing to talk to, if you want to talk to someone who's very visually preferenced, is to have them stand 
have you stand with a blank wall behind you so they're not distracted by anything. But then what happens is their eyes will move. If your hands move, they'll follow your hands moving. So they tend to like things in bite-sized, very small pieces. Very superficial in all senses and not always a bad thing, but sometimes it can be that they don't go into depth with anything. They can be a jack of all trades and master of none. So they can know a lot of things superficially and they like things to look good, but they might not be very good with detail, certainly other people's detail. So they might, lack of attention, lack of detail might be an issue. They tend to think like things to look good and don't necessarily have to have a lot of, of background to that. They might be easily tricked. If you show them something pretty, something that looks good superficially, that might be enough for them to buy into it. So this can mean that if your manager is very, very visual, that you don't necessarily want to give them lots of information. You just need to give them something that looks pretty and looks good. Um, and they'll probably get bored with the detail. They're good at imagining things. If you can imagine using your, your visual field to make images in your head, to imagine things, to create new ideas. So very good at creativity, very good at seeing things outside of the box, but not so good at implementing them and certainly not very good at completing them because they get bored and move on to the next thing. So we can see someone who's got a high and strong visual preference might be easily distracted, might move on really quickly, might dot about and they might be difficult to pin down. They speak quickly, they breathe quickly, and sometimes they just like things to look good on the surface. So this is some of the things that we have as a visual preference. Moving on to the next one, auditory or sound-based preference. When it comes to auditory, there are two types of auditory. There's what we call auditory tonal and there's auditory digital. Auditory tonal is music, background sounds, listening to the sound of an engine, for instance. And the people you'll encounter in the Western world in the 21st century, there's not many people who've got that as the highest preference, the auditory tonal. So what we tend to focus on is the auditory digital, or AD, as it's called. This is because this is more about words and information and facts and data. So somebody who's strongly auditory digital, the most important thing for them might be something like information, evidence and detail. Now this preference is only 20% of people. 40% of people have a high visual preference, 40% have a high kinesthetic preference. So although the auditory digital preference is the lowest one, it can be the most academic, really good at remembering information and detail, very good at reading lots of information and retaining it. So these people tend to be able to study really well. They tend to get lots of qualifications and often they end up at the high point in an organisation. So there's a disproportionate amount of these people in government, for instance, or at the top of the civil service or at the top of organisations. Because with that auditory digital preference, facts are more important than feelings. So it might be that at the extreme, now of course I'm going to the extreme here, all of these metaprograms are on a continuum. You could have someone who's got a very low preference and you've got someone who's got a very high preference. What I'm talking about now are people with a very high preference and I'm going to lampoon it a little bit as I do, as I will do with the kinesthetic as well. So at the very extreme high auditory digital preference, these people might not have very much in touch with their feelings. They might have a very strong IQ, intelligence quotient, but a very poor social quotient or emotional quotient. So they might be frightened of feelings and they might not know how to interact very well in a social situation. So they can be very 
brusque. They can be very um, no filter, if you like, and say things as they come out of the head. If you think about a, an audio um, tape recorder, that's kind of the limit of what's going on. One thing at a time, but in massive detail. So these people can also feel a little bit detached and a little bit clinical, a little bit heartless, uh, as kinesthetic might find them, that they can make decisions without feeling. And so with that, with the academia, might mean that they're very good at getting to the top of organisations. They crave information, so they might read lots and lots of detail. They'll go off and research for hours and hours and hours and have lots and lots of evidence. And their evidence tends to be based on science and research. So sometimes they can be a little bit dismissive of people who use their heart and their intuition and their own personal experience to say something's a fact. So these people might argue strongly if they've got other evidence to what you're saying. And I'll give you an example of that when we get to the kinesthetics. So they can be quite cold and distant. They can be quite poor social skills. They can talk at you and not listen to you trying to stop them talking. Giving them verbal cues or visual cues about looking at your watch and saying, I've got to go. They could keep on talking. And often they'll talk a little bit too close as well because the social distance space is not there for them. They don't necessarily understand that. Now with these people... Often you're thinking, I'd like to get away from this person, but I'm frightened they upset them. But that's you thinking about your own feelings. If someone's very strongly auditory digital, they're probably not going to be offended if you say, I'm sorry, I need to stop you there. I've got to go to a meeting right now. They'll probably just go, oh yeah, okay, thank you. You've given them the information they need. Use information and point these people in the direction of the stuff they need to know. They can get quite upset if they don't understand something or they haven't got enough information. Or if you're using what they see as non-logical information or uh, things like NLP that haven't got any research or very much research behind them they might just dismiss as impossible. So they can be quite demanding, they can be quite succinct, they could speak for hours without breathing and they would love to listen to really really long podcasts. So I'm keeping these podcasts quite brief because a lot of people can't really focus more than 20 minutes or so listening to a podcast. How do they dress? Well they could dress very plainly, they could wear the same clothes each day uh, or they could dress in a real mismatch. So you could get spots, stripes and checks all at once because this person doesn't really care if they're extreme AD. Think about the, the professor who goes off into his lab for days on end and doesn't eat or drink or anything. They're just focused on information. Look at the quiz shows, the chase, and how voraciously they take off information and how a lot of them are overweight because they're really disconnected from the head and the body in some cases. So people who are very strongly AD, often information and words and facts are really, really important. They could talk with a voice that sounds like they're uh, reading on the inside, and they might have a, a voice a little bit restrained like this, a really interesting voice, and there's some fascinating information, which is great for them, and people like them, and they will talk to each other for hours and have intellectual discussions. But it can isolate people who are much more kinesthetic and who go on the feelings and experience and find these people boring. These people, extreme ADs, tend to be very academic and tend to choose jobs where there's a lot of information to handle, and a lot of people just can't cope with that. The, the visuals haven't got the capacity for the detail and the kinesthetics. It just feels boring to them. When these people present, they might like lots of information written down, black writing on white screen on a PowerPoint for 100 PowerPoints. And they, if they stand and present with a voice like this, so you can see there's 100 PowerPoints, you're going to very quickly switch off, because words to most people send people to sleep like hypnotic inductions so given a bit more variation in the voice and a bit more movement to attract the kinesthetics might be more useful to these people 
examples of these kind of people in uh, TV, well, if you think of Coronation Street, Roy Cropper, if you watch that, where his morals are really strong and his information in, in the law is much more important than his feelings. Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, Doc Martin, those kind of people are parodies of strong auditory digital. It's almost um, a, a symptom of people who are on the spectrum of uh, autism and Asperger's that this very autistic uh, presentation can be present even if somebody hasn't got that diagnosis. So working with these people, you might need to give them lots of information. Their emails might come through without a good morning or how are you or regards. It might just be download information. So responding to them in like, in kind might be very useful, but certainly giving them all the information that they need so they don't feel distressed and without information. And finally, our last group, the kinesthetics or special cares as I call them. So a special care is somebody who's really often in touch with their feelings. Their feelings are really, really important to them, and it can be that they have extreme feelings. So it can be that they have bigger feelings than the other two groups, or certainly that they engage with them more. And the language will tell you this, because they're often freezing or starving or boiling or bored, and they'll express things in a very demonstrative way. They tend to move more. They tend to express themselves in their facial expressions. So if anyone's ever said your face gives your feelings away, you wear your heart on your sleeve, there's a good chance you've got a strong kinesthetic preference. So they tend to be a little bit more dramatic than others. They tend to take things very sensitively and very deeply. They like to move about. They tend to be more proactive. They tend to be more doers than thinkers. They like to dive in and do things instead of sitting and chant and, and planning them and talking about them. But to their detriment, they might get some flat pack furniture from Ikea, and whereas AD saying, let's let's read the instructions and make sure everything's there before we get started, it kind of says, no, let's just dive in and do it. And they dive in and do it, and they wonder why it's all wobbly and there's lots of bits left. Because they can be impetuous, they can be very uh, high in emotion from anxiety, they can, can be avoidant, they can plunge in and regret it later. Because their feelings really guide themselves. They might not be so interested in your facts and figures, AD. They might be very interested in that. Because what happens is when kinesthetic has something bodily function, like if they're too hot or too cold, they'll tell people. But AD might say, well, you can't be cold and you can't be hot because it's 20 degrees according to the thermometer. So the information is more important than the lived experience for AD, but kinesthetic very much likes their own lived experience to be the evidence enough for them. They like to do things which give them um, they could be adrenaline junkies, they could like things that give them adrenaline, or they could be scared and not and be very avoidant. Certainly things like making sure that every, the temperature's right, they've got food and drink and access to toilets, and they can move about and they can have a cigarette if they want one, and being able to be free is really important. And other things that are really important for a special care is being got, they just don't get me, is what they'll say, they want people to get them, uh, is to be uh, comfortable. Uh, I'm not comfortable doing that, and they don't really like doing things that make them feel unhappy and sad and hurt. And they don't like being hungry or bored or lonely or anything which gives them big feelings. These people are brilliant, usually brilliant with other people. They're really gregarious and outgoing. These are the kind of people you want on the reception desk, not an AD who says, computer says, no, can't do that. So these people are very good with people. 
tend to be quite old-fashioned in their ways, not necessarily good at technology or happy with using Facebook and other things, or podcasts even, um, and they tend to like to do things by hand, see people in person, get things done uh, in, in the real world. These people like to uh, chat, they like to work with others often. Now there's massive variations in this, I'm being wildly uh, exaggerating in this, but a really good example of an extreme kinesthetic would be someone like Homer Simpson, who's led by his feelings and doesn't apply his AD knowledge. One of the best things about any meta program is once you understand them, you can change anything you want. So even though your preference will probably stay the same, V, A, D or K, if there's a bit of a deficiency where you don't get on with some people, for instance, you can improve that part. You can be more AD, you can learn to be more kinesthetic, you can learn to be more visual. Visual is a sense that most people are able to work in. It's kind of outside of our body and dissociated, whereas AD and K are inside of our head, so inside of our body. So a very, very loose thing, the logical left brain tends to be more AD and the, and the right brain is more creative and it tends to be more kinesthetic. So if you're visually preference, which I think I am, but behind that I've got a strong auditory digital preference. I'm quite a geek. I'm quite good at understanding things, although superficially being visual. I'm quite geeky. I'm, I'm quite uh, information driven. But I've learned to be more kinesthetic. I've learned to train in a kinesthetic way. I've learned to make it fun. Kinesthetes like to be edu-trained and entertained when they're learning. So whereas auditory digital likes lots of in written information and lots of research to read, and they'll read that big, thick 100-page document, if that landed on visuals desk they would try and read it from the summary and a kinesthetic probably wouldn't read it at all because they'd rather be doing it they're not keen on the theory but whichever one you have a preference for um, it's just a preference if it's better for you to be slightly different with different people then that's a skill to learn and later on in these tra in these podcasts we'll talk about that but as you can imagine especially ad and k don't always get on uh, in the workplace at home whereas AD just wants information, kinesthetes sometimes just like to vent and just like to tell people how they're feeling. So sometimes they'll have a, um, a, prob a problem, so kinesthetics feeling something because something's happened today and when they get home and they want to tell their partner they've had a really crappy day and the partner goes, oh, that's interesting, let's see if we can fix it. That's just going to make the kinesthetic more and more upset and angry because it feels like you're not hearing me, you're not letting me vent, you're trying to fix a problem, I, I just want to let you know how I feel. Uh, and the AD might keep going, well, I can see how you might have contributed to that problem today. And the kinesthetic is getting more and more angry, you don't care, you don't understand, you're not even getting angry with me. Well, how exactly does me getting angry make the situation any better? Now, as someone who used to be like that, and my wife's very, very kinesthetic, I learned very quickly that the kinesthetic just wants to be felt and heard. They want, you, they want to know that you understand how, you, how they feel. Because if you don't, what they'll do is escalate their demonstrative emotional behaviour to make you feel what they're feeling. So if a kinesthete feels hurt, they want you to feel hurt sometimes so you can be alongside them. Sometimes the um, AD can be too cold and too clinical and just look at information and not take account of feelings. And this is really against what the kinesthetic would like. So... When we're in conflict, sometimes it's a, the fact that we're not speaking the same language. So if I, if we're saying, see what I mean, get the picture, that's different too. Does that sound okay? Is that in tune with you? Or grasp and be comfortable with it. So sometimes we have a very different way of working. 
A visual manager might like you to look busy um, and they might give you visual instructions. Uh, an auditory manager might be very assertive and demanding and things need to make sense before they act. Um, and a kinesthete might just want gut reaction. And a kinesthetic boss might be uh, brilliant, but it might be like a roller coaster ride up one minute and down the next. And kinesthetic reasoning, they'll tend to go down the avenue of every decision and feel how it feels and choose the least bad feeling to go with. And once they go with their gut, it tends to be difficult to get them to change their mind. So that can be very difficult if somebody goes down the road of things and things don't work very well. So I'm just giving you a really, really brief flavour of the differences between V, A, D and K. As you can imagine, there's all sorts of fun when people have got very different programs that they may not understand each other very well, they may not get on. And later on in the podcasts and the other ways we're talking, I'll show you some more ways to intervene with them. So that's the end of this podcast, another one of your NLP basics. Please favourite this podcast, please like it and share it far and wide, it's too good not to share. So we'll continue some NLP basics in some some of the future podcasts and we'll be interspersing that with some of the more applicable applications of NLP and other things that we've learned. If there's anything you'd like me to cover, please contact me and watch out for the future podcasts.